Peace and love. This is Brother Fahim, and you're not tuned in to Believe with Logic Podcast. You know the vibes. Peace, peace, and welcome back, y'all. This is Brother Fahim, and you are now listening to Believe with Logic Podcast. And I appreciate y'all, man, for, for coming out one more time. You know, life is always moving at an ultra-magnetic, intergalactic-like speed, and uh, I just try to get in where I fit in, you know, and uh, do what I can do. And uh, so I'm just always thankful for my audience that comes in and allows me to try to help you relax your mind and let your conscience be free. Get down with the, the sounds of Brother Fahim. <laughs> Man, a lot going on in the world, a lot going on. You know, it's always interesting to try to pull something out that I feel like has meaning and value and that we can learn from and move forward and really enhance this knowledge, wisdom, and understanding in this journey called life. And the the new thing is this Little Mermaid debacle. Holly Bailey is a new Little Mermaid and it's it's crazy because it's been a little bit of a backlash, which doesn't make sense when you think of uh, when you think of what the backlash is for. But then again, it does. But nonetheless, people are making racist statements and they really don't like because the Little Mermaid has been black swapped. She's been swapped out from being white to being a black mermaid. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then so be it. So people have all these different thoughts and these different sentiments and emotions. And of course, the internet being a cow of paradise, people can throw stones and hide hands and faces and everything else as far as in writing. But yes, yeah, interesting. You know, I was uh, looking on IDBM and they show, I said, man, I wonder how many people have been, how many black, how many white roles have been black swapped, knowing and unknowingly, meaning, knowingly meaning it's been a, a role that was traditionally somewhere was written in a book, uh, in a short, whatever, a song, it was written for another ethnic group. So, you know, you might have a character, for instance, like Daredevil. When we saw Michael Clark Duncan in Daredevil as Kingpin, you know, Kingpin was written, he was a white cat in the comic book. Stanley wrote him as a white cat. So that's uh, us knowing, but unknowing is, you know, roles that we, we weren't told unless we researched, right? But I looked it up, man. Listen, listen to all these people. Bernie Casey in Never Say Never Again, Samuel Jackson in Avengers, Ludacris and Max Payne, Pam Greer and Jackie Brown, Will Smith and I Am Legend. Uh, Eartha Kid and Batman, Lawrence Fishburne and Hannibal, Morgan Freeman, Shawshank Redemption, Billy D. Williams and Batman, Jamie Foxx and Quaver Zane. I don't know how to say the little sister name to play Annie. And the Beast, uh, the Southern, ah, I messed the name up, the, the Southern Beast of the Wild, the Beast of the Southern Wild, something like that. Y'all know what I mean. Um, of course, Michael Clark Duncan and Daredevil, uh, just about the whole cast in the new Steel Magnolias in 2012. Uh, Ford Prefect, most deaf, played him in uh, Hitchhiker's Guide and to the Galaxy. Uh, Michael B. Jordan, he played Johnny uh, Johnny Storm. Uh, and then remember in 97, I, I remember watching this with Houston and Brandy and Cinderella. Um, Jaden Smith reprised the role. He didn't reprise. He uh, covered, uh, uh, you know, played the role of Danielson <laughs> in 2010. Will Smith and Men in Black was meant for a white cat. Idris Elba and Thor 
It's a white cat. Denzel and the Manchurian Candidate. Uh, Martin and Chris Rock and Death at a Funeral. Uh, Angel Cooley and Merlin. Naomi Harris and Skyfall and Will Smith and Jane. Uh, and as Jim West in Wild Wild West. These were all characters that had been black swap, right? These were traditionally and customarily played by a white actor. So they were roles written for white people. So it's interesting, right? But what I found is, man, whenever you're talking about like childlike movies or science fiction that really influence or engage children, people get really, really testy and they get really, really upset. And so, um, yeah, I want to talk about why that is. And so the name of the day's podcast is uh, The Little Mermaid, Self-Imagery and Multiculturalism. So the first thing that I wanted to say is this. When we deal with self-imagery, right, Minister Lewis, the Honorable Minister Lewis Farrakhan said, when you take a photo, your eye is drawn to yourself in the photo. If you take a class picture, if you take an office picture, uh, if you take a team picture, if you take a family reunion picture, it don't matter what the group is. Your eye is going to instinctively look for you. It's going to say, man, where am I? Where am I? Well, the subconscious is the same, right? We need to see ourselves in things before we can identify them, before we can relate to them. So it's important that we see uh, images that reflect life, black life, and not just any type of images. Images that we own, images that we have created, images that we have agency over so that we can dictate See, whoever owns the images owns the reality, if that makes sense to you guys. Because media is a huge purveyor of prop propaganda. Huge. Huge. And it's a huge influence, whether you know it or not, on your everyday life, especially your children, because their minds are so malleable and untapped. Right? That's why certain, certain things are so dangerous to them. Right? Certain certain types of imagery, certain types of music is dangerous because they don't know how to siphon and filter out what's real, what they should throw away and what they should keep, right? So it's important that we see ourselves. So I understand, right? When you talk about breaking this mold, you talk about breaking people seeing themselves culturally uh, at this highest peak, at this apex. Now I was listening, I always like to get a a plethora, as you all should as well. It's good to listen to people who have a different perspective than you. Hey, maybe I have a, a different perspective than some of my listeners, and that's okay. But it's always good to hear the other side or the other perspective or point of view because it enhances and it enriches your own. But nonetheless, I was listening to Candace Owens and uh, three people. I was listening to Candace Owens, and Candace Owens' whole thing was they're calling uh, Holly Bailey this woke actress because she's taking this role and everything has to be inclusive of blackness. Now, of course, we understand Candace Owens is a far right-wing conservative. She's a mouth, a mouthpiece and a spokesman for the Republican Party to a fault at a lot, uh, at many junctions. And so it's, it's only typical that she would say this, you know, the tone that she had was that they're forcing blackness into everything that there has to be black inclusion or there has to be LGBT inclusion for things to be right. 
so that's the that's the crux of her of her uh, debate. That's that's pretty much the point of her uh, her thesis on the matter. Then I listen to Whoopi Goldberg, right? Who's at the opposite end of the spectrum. She's a a, a spokesperson for the uh, left wing, for the far left wing, for the liberal agenda. So she's for the <laughs> the inclusion of all these different ethnic groups. She's for multiculturalism. She's for the, all of those things, and her whole thing is: listen, a mermaid is a uh, an imaginary figure, to a fantasy, and so it can be any color—black, brown, green, pink, yellow, whatever—and um, people need to stop being so uptight about it. You know, they need to find something to do. So her her argument is: listen, in the minds of people, we have the right to create. Uh, different things, and those things can be whatever we like them to be. I understand that too. They can they can be whatever color we want them to be. They can be whatever gender we want them to be. And in her case, they can be whatever uh, sexual orientation. That's what she was saying, right? Um, so yeah, I understand that too. And then I listened to Chloe Bailey, which is Holly's sister, and she was on a live, and she was speaking about how. She was talking about how she was so proud that her sister had reached this apex that now little children, little boys and girls could say, wow, look at that. I can be the little mermaid. I can reach that pinnacle. I can reach that stage, right? Almost the same rhetoric that I heard when Barack Obama became the president of the United States. Wow, now a black man can finally touch that seat of power, that position of influence. Now little children, if nothing else, little children can say, I can be the president. They know what's possible, all the potentials, the probabilities, right? So she was coming at it from a very symbolic place. The symbolism of it all was what she was speaking about. And you all can watch all of these different videos. They're on YouTube. You know, Candace Owens, Meltdown, Whoopi Goldberg, Destroys, uh, Backlash about... (laughs) The little uh, Holly Bailey's Little Mermaid and Chloe Bailey defends her sister. But symbolically, what Miss Bailey was saying was this was great for black, for all children. She didn't even say black. She said all children. Symbolically, this is great. And I found all three of those perspectives to be um, interesting. Right. Um, You know, the inclusion, us having to be included, you know, us having the right to define what these uh, imaginary images are and what their gender and what their ethnicity is. And then, you know, the symbolism behind it. But, you know, I have my own, I have my own perspective on it and I'm going to get to it. But uh, I just thought that those were pretty uh, interesting and they were all from three different positions, right? But I am, I want to discuss a couple things. So Holly Bailey is playing The Little Mermaid. This is a Disney production. So it's funny, right? Because when people say, how could she do that? Or when people come out against her, who they really should be coming out against is Disney. And what they really should be asking themselves is, why is Disney doing this now? See, that's that's what we don't do. It's funny to me. People, people it's almost like pulling teeth to get people to think critically. Why would Disney do this? I mean, it's it's pretty clear, right? This is a neo-women's liberation movement era 
some Me Too times up uh, era where women's liberation, women's empowerment, uh, women's uh, advancement is profitable. And so if you're a business and you're trying to expand your business or optimize on your bottom dollar, then you're going to tap in to what's moving forward, to what's getting traction to the trends. This is a major trend. So Disney, that's a shrewd business move to make uh, the Little Mermaid an African-American girl, right? Um, I mean, it's not like Disney had been multicultural in the past. I mean, you have Princess T, uh, Tiana, uh, the Princess and the Frog. Is it anybody else? I'm not sure if there's anybody else. I know those crows in Dumbo were black. <laughs> oh, snap. That's funny. My mother hates those crows. I think they're comical. I get it. But nonetheless, it's a shrewd business move um, for her for her to play the Little Mermaid. Um, but I think it's 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 funny. I'll say this about I'll say this about her statements. Uh, her sister, rather, not Holly Bailey, but Chloe's statements. It's really deep when you think about it. Whenever I hear people saying. Black children can aspire to something other than themselves. They can aspire to sit at a position that is symbolic, like the president, the seat of the president, or a fictional character that was created in the mind of a person that wasn't even African-American. I say to myself, wow, what does that say about us as a people and us as a group? that we worship that which is outside of ourselves. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad used to teach us and still teaches us through his writing that you hate, you love the devil because he gives you nothing. <laughs> and it seems like that's ringing out to be true. What are we getting just to be seen, just to be viewed as, uh, as you know, this uh, in this Eurocentric paradigm as beautiful? That's not a reward sitting in the high seat of the land, but you your hands are tied behind your back, that's not anything to brag about. There's so many other figures. There are so many other things that we can motivate and have our children celebrate and have them ascribe to be. You know, in the morning time, I think I've said this on the show before, in the morning time, I make my children do affirmations so that they can love and appreciate and celebrate themselves. I make them Look at how beautiful their hair is. Look at how sun-kissed their skin is. You don't need to go out there and worship or celebrate anything except yourself, your natural self, what the creator, what the ancestors, what the gods gave you. That's it. That's all. There's no, I ascribe to be anybody except myself. Now, that's not to knock anybody, any other culture, but it's absolutely to say my culture is is divine and is noble and is regal and is beautiful enough to be celebratory all by itself. So whenever I hear black people saying things like, we get to do this, or now, now black children can say, I can aspire to this. I have to say, what are they aspiring to brothers and sisters? Are they aspiring to uplift themselves and their community? Are they aspiring to celebrate themselves to love themselves, to, 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 to prop up positive images of themselves. 
right? Are they doing that? Or are they just saying, wow, I'm feeding into, I can now engage, I can now pretend that I am that which was told, that I was taught, that my forefathers was taught was beautiful, right? Here it is, they've colored Holly Bailey's hair red like Ariel's. How many sisters do you know with naturally red hair? <laughs> it don't happen like that. Not naturally. That's that's not it, right? That's not there's nothing natural. So I thought uh when Chloe Bailey said that, I said, Well, I see the mentality that a lot of us have. And it's evident in how we and how we uh how we dress, how we look. But but I digress. But I want to say a little something. Like I said, the name of the podcast is The uh, Little Mermaid Self-Imagery and Multiculturalism. So I wanted to give you all the definitions to think about, right? Multiculturalism, what is that? Multiculturalism is the way in which a society deals with cultural diversity, both at the national and at the community level. So you have these two concepts under multiculturalism. You have the melting pot, which is the soup, and then you have a salad bowl. Now, the more preferred is the soup, the melting pot. That's how they sell America, right? And when, when you have in a soup, you have all these different flavors, all these different seasonings. They all come together. That's representative of culture. That's representative of ethnic groups. That's, that's representative of different nationalities being here in the same place, meshing together to produce something beautiful. That's the soup or the melting pot concept. But then you have the salad, which is similar, but it is not as uh, integrated or infused. So you have a salad, which is different entities, different uh, pieces of vegetable, right? The tomato, the leek, the onion, the olive, uh, the actual uh, lettuce, right? Or the salad. And it's all in one bowl and they put a glazing over it. Now it appears, if you look at it, it would appear from a distance that everything is together, but it's really not. We're all in the same place, but we're still isolated, you know, and we preach the soup or the melting pot, but we practice the salad. Yeah, we practice the salad. We are still in a, in a place where different ethnic groups, we might occupy the same spaces, but we are still integrated. Martin Luther King talked about how Chicago, when he went to Chicago, it was one of the most segregated cities he had ever been in. And he lived, in, he was from Atlanta, right? Uh, that's still true today. Atlanta, uh, Chicago is still segregated, as most cities are in America. You know, um, just because people are there, it doesn't mean we're a community. We're we are just neighborhoods. There's a difference between a neighborhood and a community, right? And so, yeah, we are uh, we are a solid bowl of communities. But this whole multiculturalism, wanting people to be inclusive, wanting uh, wanting these different uh, groups to occupy different positions and different uh different roles at different times you know is that a good or a bad thing you know is, is that good or is it bad like when i think of when i think of uh critical race theory and i think wow what what fuels that what is fueling critical race theory 
this whole theory that we don't want to, we don't want to offend. We don't want to make any group of students journey or experience uncomfortable. We want to be inclusive, right? We are a multicultural society. And so that wouldn't be right. <laughs> but uh, listen, um, I have a couple articles as usual. I want to read a couple points to you guys that kind of go into the point. You know, the point is, you know, we, we need to we need to really revisit multiculturalism and also look deep into self-imagery, right? Yeah, we should look deep into self-imagery. So the first article, you can find this on Black Enterprise. Um, it was written by Jared Brown, and this is an old article, October 4, 2016, and it's called Why Black Youth Need Positive Black Images. And it talks about the doll test and how when people were given the doll test in the 40s, and I think they recently did it, maybe in the 90s, when they asked about the dolls, they put in front of all these different ethnic groups, these different kids, including black children. Hey, which doll is the good doll? Which doll is the bad doll? It was overwhelmingly, uh, it was an overwhelming response that had the black doll as being negative and the white as being positive. Um, but one of the one of the points it's, it talks about is the internalization of uh, anti-black bias. You know, 65% of black children who participated in the study indicated a preference for the white doll. These findings were used by Supreme Court to illustrate the destructive consequences of separate and equal policies to mandate school integration in 54. That's Brown v. Board uh, that they're talking about, right? Um, more sophisticated instruments, namely implicit association tests, have been developed to assess implicit bias. These instruments indicate that black kids' self-perception has improved since the 40s, and yet 50% continue to demonstrate an anti-black bias, right? Um, so some things change, the more things change, the more they uh, stay the same. Um, importance of positive black representation. Positive black representation in children's books and also on television screens is an important text, is an important next step in the struggle against anti-black bias. Society's anti-black bias can be effectively counteracted with a pro-black bias. In psychiatry, we talk about risk factors for particular disorders. However, there are also protective factors that can minimize or diminish the impact of risk factors. Exposure to anti-black bias is a risk for internalized racism and low self-esteem. However, pro-black images can protect against that risk. I'm going to tell you guys something. You know, my children are so young. And this is the truth. My children are so young that whenever we have dolls or any kind of play, any kind of literature, it's all black all the time, right? It is all, all the dolls are black. All of the books are black. Everything they see themselves. Now, I've been around certain people and they say, well, that's not a accurate depiction of the world and it's not it's absolutely not i understand that various nations exist on this 
this rock called earth. And my children will understand that as well. But here's also what I understand. Like I talked about, I think maybe two episodes ago, we have to separate ourselves at least culturally and become well uh, saturated and indoctrinated to loving ourselves and everything about ourselves, especially those who go out into a world, those children that go out into a world that's filled with anti-blackness. Go to your children's schools, go to their after-school programs and look at the literature that they're reading. Is it indicative of pro-blackness or anti-blackness? Do they see positive images of themselves? And I'm not talking about just athletes or entertainers. And I'm not talking about just during the month of February. Are they dealing with Imhotep? Are they dealing with uh, Akhenaten? Are they dealing with these different people throughout history who were great? Are they dealing with greatness when they deal with blackness? Or are they dealing with... Uh, you know, civil rights? Are they dealing with getting it out of the mud? Are they dealing with toms and coons and mulattoes and mammies and all of these uh, tragic mulattoes? All of these are caricatures uh, that we see in movies and in media that have an effect on our subconscious mind. So yes, I keep my children indoctrinated. I keep them reading blackness because i understand when they go outside when they go to school when they go anywhere in the mainstream and unfortunately amongst some black people there's an anti-black sentiment that exists so i want my children to understand that you are god you are you are gods and goddesses and that melanin in your skin that's what makes you a god and a goddess and that mind that you have and so you need to celebrate that and I'm going to show you images of that, especially in your primary and your formative years, because you're going to be so inundated and attacked with anti-blackness at the most subtle levels that your, your cultural awareness is going to be so high that hopefully God willing and the ancestors uh, protect you, that it will not affect you. So, yeah, but, you know, this article kind of backs that and kind of affirms what I'm saying, reconfirms what I'm saying, you know. Um, what the low numbers, it says, what the low numbers of multicultural literature means that publishing for children and teens has a long way to go before reflecting the rich diversity of perspectives and experience within and across race and culture. It's up to you parents to, you know, Feed your children to get them to get them culturally aware. I said once before, I don't look for the school system, a school system that's not created, run, and managed by other than myself, other than people that have my mentality to really uh, enrich my my children culturally. They're just not gonna do that. Brothers and sisters, you're fooling yourself if you think wherever you are, unless you're going to a school that's Black run and black home, you're not going to get a good Afrocentered education for those children. You're not. So it's up to you to do it at home. It's up to you to take that initiative. So, yeah. Um, 
It also gives three avenues for positive representation, the Village TV, Quality TV, and Callaloo. These are networks that are designed to show positive images and more reaffirming imagery of black people. And that's super important. You know, I don't, I didn't realize how important the Cosby show was until I became an adult. And I was never a huge, huge Bill Cosby fan. And I, you know, I thought he made some statements that should have been uh, left to the family. It should have never gotten out. But uh, Mr. Cosby is my brother. And I really respect what he did with the Cosby show. And I really respect, uh, regardless of how, of how, uh, what's the word? Regardless of how uh, unrealistic a lot of people, a lot of us, unfortunately, may have thought it was or said it was. It showed us uh, in another light and it showed us, yes, we can be, <laughs> we can be uh, dignified. We, we can be counter, if nothing else, we can be counter to what we have been shown or what has been representative of us in the mainstream media space. We, we don't have to be any of those things. We can be the total, uh, opposite we can be at the other end the other polarity and that's absolutely great because we need that it's good for our psyche it's, it's excellent for us culturally so yeah but um yeah that article like i said why black youth need positive black images by jared brown y'all check that out on black enterprise i think you'll find it a very very interesting read and uh very beneficial as well The next article I'd like to read to you guys is called Boosting Self-Esteem in African-American Children Starts with Family and Heritage. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Again, I'm just going to read a couple, of, a couple of snippets, man. There's a couple of high points that I would like you guys to consider, right? And you can look at it on your own. It's on the, uh, what site is this? Scripps Howard Foundation. Yeah, just type in Boosting Self-Esteem in African-American Children. Starts with family and heritage. Um, Self-esteem, it says, this is the second paragraph. Self-esteem is the result of life experiences and is a product of an individual's early relationship, particularly with parents. Experts say teaching black children to build and maintain positive self-esteem should begin in the home. Black families are the important center of values for black children. One, one's guardian should be available as a resource for guidance and instilling a positive self-worth. Our children need to recognize that parents are their first role models, not rap stars. Absolutely. That's so um that's so true. Because whether you know it or not, you know, movies like this and instances like this have the same effect. They have the same resounding effect on our people, on people that the gangster rap does. How so, Fahim? Well, let me tell you. So you have abstract and the naked violence. The naked violence is what's seen and what's apparent, right? What is clear and cannot be ignored. But then you have the abstract violence, the more long-term, the more subtle, the more nuanced or deep or complex uh, conceptual issues. So see, everybody has an issue with rap music and how it, it uh, affects young people right 
pants sagging, the profanity, the ill respect for uh, for their own, for our culture and for our elders. That's all apparent. And it has a horrible effect in uh, short term and long term. But now when you start talking about something like black swapping or black images being swapped out, uh, I mean, white images, traditional white images being swapped out for black images, that has the same lasting effect. But it's a little bit more dangerous. Why is it more dangerous? Because it goes under the radar and it builds up this this uh, unconscious or subconscious belief that, man, my values are aligned with gaining the most or getting to the pinnacle of something other than myself. If I can gain access, if I can gain a claim because I am functioning in a space, in a role, in a position that's outside of my culture, that the mainstream deems as beautiful or valuable, then I have self-worth. That's horrible. That's horrible. That is bad. And that's what I see. That's what that's another effect that 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 uh, that this this whole black swapping uh, is having or will have. Right. Because, you know, <laughs> the thing of it is, you know, we can create for ourselves. We define ourselves. You know, we create our own stories and we magnify them and we celebrate them, you know. We are our first audience. We and uh, once we uh, once we celebrate ourselves with ourselves and to ourselves, then the world can then join in. But we first should should we, uh, we first should make ourselves. Uh, uh, um, what's the word? We first should make ourselves acceptable uh, to our group culturally to Black people. Right? We start there and then move out. And we can't do that if we're saying, hey, uh, I want to be, uh, I want to take take the spot or I want to, uh, I take great pride in seeing us play characters or us exemplify values that are outside of ourselves, outside of our natural self. But let me get back to this article. It says, it is important that adults show that they accept their children and care for them. Kids need to feel they are important. Let them know that they're a valuable part of the family by giving them tasks to do with the family, involve them in table feeding, dogs cooking, and planning. Right? It's more practical. Experts agree that instilling positive self-esteem in African American children should start not only should start not only in the home but with the parents themselves. Again, what are you teaching your kids? Because I totally agree with that. It's, it's totally on you to make your children who they are. And it starts in childhood. What are you teaching them? How are you teaching them? Are you paying attention to them? Right? Are you spending time with them? Right? Um, you know, it, <laughs> it's, it's, it's nothing better than seeing your children be confident and face an obstacle, whatever it is. Right? As a parent, that's what you prepare your children for, right? You want them to be prepared because you understand at a certain point uh, you're going to go from pilot to co-pilot uh, to just, you know, 
to being a memory, right? <laughs> you, you'll be a memory uh, eventually to your children. So you want to make sure that when you are a memory or that when you're co-piloting, that they can, uh, they are, they are fully equipped and they are fully capable of, of, of flying the plane, which is their life without a major crash. And so, um, it's up to us as parents to discern. Again, that's why I, I filter uh, what they look at. We filter uh, what influences them, um, not to downgrade any other culture, but just to ensure or to you know make sure that our culture is first celebrated and understood, and then we can work we can work uh, from there. Um, it's without a doubt we live in a racist society. We as black men have to deal with our self-hate, self-doubt, shame, guilt, and anger first. Once I understand where I'm at in my struggle, then I can pass the knowledge on to my three sons. Um, yeah. You know, you want to understand yourself. So, yeah. Um, boosting your self-esteem in African-American children starts with the family and the heritage. Yeah, so... Um, you want to make sure we do that. Uh, 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 you know, you give your kids at home what it is that they need, man. And make sure that nobody outside of the home doesn't initiate the process. Right? Um, I think it would be good for them. So, moving right along. Um, that self-image. That self-imagery and how it affects us. Um it affects us big time. It really does. I think over the years, multiculturalism has really been the enemy of a lot of things that deal with the self, at least with black people. Why do I say that? Because we've been so inclusive. We've been so accepting of all these different and external things that I don't think we understand how it has affected us. For instance, uh, we were taught so long that black is uh, inferior and black is a negative that now uh, we have all it manifests itself in different ways and I'm not judging anybody at all but I understand that you know I don't see other cultures functioning like this and I say well it's because they have some sort of uh, cultural uh, coping mechanism and they enhance and they esteem themselves but anytime you know, you see uh, sisters with all gold hair. Um, that's not a knock, but I have to say, wow, is that your natural hair sister? And how does that affect, how is your esteem affected? A lot of sisters say, well, this is just how I want to look. And that's your right, sister. That is your right. I just don't see a lot of other, I don't see a lot of Asian people. You see some people imitating black culture, right? They try to involve themselves, but not to the degree that we do. Right. We see ourselves and we see the world through a Eurocentered paradigm. Right. We see the world through a Eurocentered and it's evident in how we treat each other. Right. But, yeah, that's one of those ones. You know, whenever I see. Um, people that keep up these these things that are counter. Counter to who they are naturally. I remember when I was a kid, man, um, we used to wear 
S curl and do kits on our on our hair <laughs> because we wanted our hair to be straight and curly. And then when we got to or when I got to a certain age and a certain level of, of awareness of myself and I was securing myself and I understood that I did not need that, that whoever uh, might not have liked it, they just didn't like it. And those who did like it, I loved them. Um, that was something that I think that was a manifestation of self-imagery and it was a cultural norm, right? And it's always been that way for us, whether we were conking our hair, finger waves, you know, dyeing our hair, you know, getting different eye colors, you know, uh, if you're an African-American person and you got blue eyes, not to say that it can't happen, but how, what's the probability, you know, what, what is the probability, you know, uh, wanting, wanting to have a fair skin, you know, wanting to be lighter. You understand? These are all manifestations of our ill self image that we have and how we hate ourselves at the core. And it's unnatural and multiculturalism doesn't really help that it harms it because it allows all of these different images into our children, into our families, homes and heads. And it's redundant. It's repeated. It's beat into us. It's beat. We see it every day, all day, 24 hours. And then they're making it where it's like, hey, this is the right way. You know, this is it's almost become, you know, with certain things, it's almost become like, man, if you're not this, then you're not right. Right. Or if you go against this, uh, you are uh, uh, um, a villain. You're vilified. You know, you're made to feel as though you're a villain. So, um, yeah, if we just stick to loving ourselves, esteeming ourselves, you know, um, continuing to, you know, gaining knowledge of self. That's where knowledge of self comes in. Knowledge of self is the greatest knowledge you can get, brothers and sisters, because from knowledge of self spawns and springs all streams of knowledge. Everything. Everything comes from knowledge of self. You know, but I understand, though, you know, this whole, this whole, um, this fixation on black swapping with white roles or with white people or with Eurocentricity as a collective, it really distorts reality for us. It makes us neglect and forget our greatness and who we are and what we really have to offer and what we need to do to offer it, you know, which is unite. I know it's easily easier said than done. It's it's one heck of a of an order, but you know, like the article read, it starts at home. But yeah, you don't want your your reality distorted, brothers and sisters. Don't distort it by placing uh, illogical and non-advantageous standards or norms or values on yourself and your children because it's just not healthy. Um, and you never want to confine your self-image 
uh, to the mainstream narrative, right? You know, I'm, I'm I'm always for creating. I don't. I'm not for a replica of any of these roles that are non-Afro-American or non-African. Why do we need to do that? Why do we need to be Superman? Why do we need to be Miles Morales? You only do that because you think you can't create your own story and it's not great and it won't be accepted. I don't think on that wavelength. I know that when I create a story, my children and my family are going to love it. They're going to absolutely love it. So I don't need to piggyback or appendix your story in order to gain validation. That's just not it. Because if I didn't create the story, then I don't really create the outcome and the reality. And the reality is the Little Mermaid is a white character, you know, created by a white person. Even even uh, T'Challa, as much as you love the Black Panther, as much as you love Miles Morales, these were characters created in the mind of white people. Right? These weren't characters created by yourself and your own. Those characters are the characters that need to emerge, that we need to celebrate. You know, it hits a little different when you created it, when when you when you came up with the concept, because then you can do what you want. You know, and you can write what you want. So, but like I said, it also, you know, it aids in the neglect and the destruction of your natural self. And you never want to do that. You know, unnatural is not something that's uh, that's just, you know, uh, 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 perverse. It's perverse because it goes against what the natural is. Junk food is unnatural because it's not a holistic food, right? It's not food in its natural form. That's what makes it unnatural. Fried food is not natural food, right? Food heavily sedated and saturated in sugar. These aren't natural foods. Foods high in salt content, not natural foods, because we understand that food from the ground, food that we cultivate, has none of these things, and it's more healthy for you because of it. So yeah, brothers and sisters, don't let any perspective, let's not let any of this stuff uh, conflict with the natural or get us to counter who we are in our natural selves. So, but also, you know, I looked up some some articles of, of uh, that I can give you that you can go and, and, and look at. And you can see, man, you know, black heroes for black people, uh, by black people. You know, Aaron Magruder had boondocks, right? And he created that while he was in college. He was African-American studies major. And uh, that, co- I think that I read that, um, that comic strip read from, it ran from like 96 all the way to the 2000 i remember looking at it like man this is this is something you know this is relatable this is identifiable you know this is cool but it was by us though and so when it when it's by us it has that little x factor that we can relate it has different nuances real quick the fences i was watching denzel and the cast of fences and they asked Denzel, why did Fences have to be directed by a black director? And he said, you know, was Casino directed by a Hispanic 
was hit was a Schindler's List directed by an Italian? No, it was directed by a Jewish person. I seen it was directed by an Italian person. There's a there's a and I'm I'm a paraphrasing. There's a power and a a realness that comes with whoever creates and whoever directs these stories. It's it it should it should absolutely be directed and uh, and facilitated by someone from within the culture because there are nuances that other people external or outside the culture could never get right because they just don't know. And so when you watch Fences, you see the the young girl getting her hair hot iron and how that heat hit her neck. You know, uh, Scorsese don't know that. You know what I mean? George Lucas don't know that. It takes somebody from within the culture to understand and say, oh, yeah, that's what this is like. Yeah, this is our story. This is what we've been through. So I saw that when I saw uh, the boondock. I was like, man, this is relatable. Also, I don't know if you guys have heard of Black Sands entertainment um and on this article it talked about why black superheroes matter we need black superheroes that promote the best in black culture black history black science and black mythology we need black superheroes that excite our children and blurs <laughs> alike blurs being black nerds i'm a blur right uh new origin has taken the liberty of finding the best black superheroes across our melanin universe welcome to the first edition of black superheroes matter series Yes, I love it. I remember seeing Black Sands on uh, Shark Tank when they were trying to get funding. And I've been following them on Instagram ever since. Y'all should follow Black Sands. You know, they have an ancient, they their superheroes are from ancient Egypt, you know, and they're Nubian and they're Kushite. And it's just beautiful because it, it motivates children to go back and look at these figures who were actual heroes. Hannibal, like I said, uh, Askia the Great. Shout out to my man Askia. <laughs> Um, you know, just different, just different heroes. Again, Queen Nzinga, you know, Cleopatra, all of these figures, they were absolutely superheroes and they were African. Um, we are descendants of them. So, um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But Black Sands, it is, uh, it's great, you know, and, and the characters are awesome. You know, they have, they're, they're, they're black, they're melanated, they have dreads, they have natural hair, uh, and they have these powers, right? They have these powers. It's no different than what you would see when you see a, uh, a X-Men or something like that, right? But it embellishes our culture, it embellishes black culture, and it, and it propagates it. So you want to check that out, Black Sands. Check out Black Sands. Right. And then another article in the New York Times I found was Flying Wild Black, two creators on inventing and reinventing black superheroes. Ironheart is the is the uh, is the uh, is the name of one of them that I've seen. But it's, it just talks about how, you know, we need to have black heroes because, again, black children need to see somebody that they can identify with. They need to see themselves in images. Uh, that are not external they shouldn't have to 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 reach their highest or the to engage in their highest imagination they shouldn't have to engage with a culture that's external to their own right and that only happens when we start to create and we start to bring forth our own imagery and our own 
uh, uh, stories. So, yeah, check that article out. Flying Wild Black, Two Creators on Inventing and Reinventing Black Superheroes. Um, and then lastly, there's one more I want to give y'all. <laughs> These are the superheroes Africans have created for themselves. Uh, and he talks about, like, different heroes from the diaspora, primarily the continent, you know. Um, you know, they, they deal with different characters and people are creating characters that will uh, honor their cultures and also uh, inspire generations and, and, and generations of kids and, and families and communities to go back and say, wow, let me look, let me look, let me see what's going on. Uh, it says, there's a cause for hope. Though it's a growing number of talented illustrators in Africa say there's room for a superhero universe to move in alternative directions. Um, and, you know, they took their cue. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? But at least you create something and you make it your own. You know, and it has a, it has a uh, origin story uh, that's based on your culture and your collective uh, memories and your collective norms and values within the culture. So, yeah, man. But, uh, you know, I want to leave you guys saying this um, again. It starts at home, like the article said, you know, we have to instill some kind of pride in our children and not allow the mainstream to do that. Because if you do, it'll have them worshiping other than themselves and glorifying other than themselves and vilifying and hating on themselves. We've seen that with the, with the doll test. We see that um, with hip hop. With, with a lot of gangster rap music, not all rap, but the gangster rap. We see these things, right? Um, I also would, would remind you, like my kids, the literature, the toys, the media, it's always all black, it's positive. If you need uh, media that uh, for your children to watch, you can go to Gracie's Corner. You can you can uh, watch Keely and Me. You can watch Super Sima. You know, these are all... Uh, media uh, cartoons that my children watch and listen to and it teaches them it motivates them to learn more about themselves it it, it, it inspires them to love themselves and they see themselves in a position that's positive in a position that's uplifting in a position that is beautiful so yeah man keep it as black as possible you know and uh you know love yourself continue to love yourself because your children can see, they can see and sense that as well. But yeah, continue to, to, to love yourself. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad I can speak to you all. And I'm, man, I'm always thankful for these opportunities and uh, for these situations, because I think once we start looking deeper into things, we can see how we can benefit and what's really being conveyed to us, right? And, uh, and not be so upset <laughs> behind, you know, the, the emotionally and, uh, trigger responses that people will surely have uh, about these different uh, circumstances. So, uh, also one last thing, I have merch, man. Uh, as you all can see, I have my page, Leave with Logic on Instagram. Hit me up with Leave with Logic on Instagram. I'll be selling merch off of there. Um, I will be marketing. I'll be keeping you guys up to up to date 
of what I have going on, different festivals I'll be at, different places I'll be around uh, the country, different things that I'll be doing. Um, man, I appreciate people listening. Your support is always welcome and it's always uh, appreciated, much appreciated. So, um, yeah, man. But look, as Malcolm X used to say, um, may we meet in the light of understanding. So peace and love, y'all. Thanks for coming.